No good. Don't touch your tie. Look at me. Okay. I ask you a question. You have to think of the answer. Where do you look? No good. You look down, they know you're lying. And up, they know you don't know the truth. Don't use seven words when four will do. Don't shift your weight. Look always at your mark, but don't stare. Be specific, but not memorable. Be funny, but don't make him laugh. He's got to like you and then forget you the moment you've left his sight. And for God's sake, whatever you do, don't under any circumstance. Russ. Yeah. Can you take a look at this? Sure. Get ready. Yeah. Woo! This is the Cutline Podcast with your host, Michael Cavalunis. Thank you, voiceover guy. You did it again. Nailed the intro. No issues, no problems. And this week, the cut line is going to break down the Wells Fargo Championship. Quail Hollow Golf Course is a beast of a track, and the Green Mile is waiting to gnash its teeth. But before we get into the details of the tournament, hello, Canada. Hello, USA. Hello, UK. What's up, Australia? South Africa want a, to give a huge shout out to our lone listener in Turkey. Turkey. But there's even bigger news for the cut line. If you don't know, well now you know the cut line is available on the internet. That's right, cutlinegolf.com. So if you like what the show provides, if you enjoy the show, You'd like to see the data, the models, the information the Cutline utilizes to build its best lineups. Well, CutlineGolf.com. There you go. But real quick, sponsor time. There's a cry across the heartland, a yearning for the days gone by. And in little old Corden, Indiana, they're happy and they'll tell you why. They got butt drugs. They love butt drugs. I recommend butt drugs for everybody. I can always count on butt drugs. When I think drugs, I think butt drugs. For all my health needs, I turn to butt drugs. You want hometown service and cheap hot coffee and liquor. Now that's the ticket. You can tell Walmart, CVS, and Walgreens exactly where to stick it. But Bubba Butt Drugs. We love butt drugs. Butt drugs won't let you down. Free parking in the rear. I love butt drugs. Oh, Indiana, you did it again. You fine state. You fancy, fancy little location in middle America. The delivery of your local convenience store and butt drugs. Yes, you gotta, you gotta hanker in for some aspirin. You need to refill that prescription, and you're lost in the middle of Indiana. Look no further than butt, 
drugs. <laughs> what? what? I'm your host, Michael Cavalunas at Lunas on Twitter. Feeling refreshed, anxious, invigorated, and loving the world of DFS and looking forward to the Wells Fargo Championship. Before we break it down, though, it's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. First, the good. We actually nailed, nailed the 6K range. Like, we even told you who to fade in the 6K range, and it was a smash hit. So, to get into it specifically, so we nailed the fades of the 6K range. And when you look at it, when you break down this range in its entirety, which was a lot of golfers last week, the cuts, the miscuts that the cut line mentioned, Martin Laird, Wierenski, Herman, Mel Nadi, Brian Gay, Patrick Rogers, Grayson Murray, and Kevin Tway, KJ Choi, DA Points, Michael Kim, Rod Perry, Bryce Garnett, and Ted Potter Jr. were all mentioned on last week's show, and all were mentioned to be fades. Ryan Moore, one of our MGs, finished in 39th. Unfortunately, Sam Ryder missed the cut, and so did Cameron Percy. So, can't give ourselves too much credit there, but nevertheless, told you a lot of those 6K guys were not good plays. Mentioned King and Bradley. Mentioned Victor Hovland. Abraham Answer. Neiman. Is all solid plays. Okay? Now, going into the bat. So, long story short, I got a little ambitious, right? We've been playing Tringale all, all year. I said, don't play him. I said, don't play Max Homa. And both of those guys top 10. So when you get a show that has two of the guys in the top 10 is don't plays, obviously it's a bad scenario. But now looking at the ugly, at the plain old ugly, John, huh? Oh, come on, man. Brutal. Missed cut. Grio, part of the core four. Missed cut. All right, so those are just to mention a few of those guys, but we're going to move on. It's time to break down the Wells Fargo Championship. So this is the cut line, and we are going to bring you DraftKings in-depth analysis of said tournament, and I'm going to do the best I can. I had no idea those beer cans were going to blow like that. You left them on a vibrating bed. What did you think was going to happen? To make sure that you're cashing big on Sunday, we're going to bring sure to bring in timely wax, greenside send traps, and a putt that might drop in through the back door. Alive! It's alive! It's alive! And as always, the goal of the cut line is to make sure that you're making smashing lineups, cashing lineups, lineups that are Winning big and kicking ass and taking names and getting six of six through the cut line. But before we get there, it's Wednesday night. Lineup locks the next day. I know that ownership is very, very important. The guys I trust, Fanshare Sports and FanshareSports.com. So, very easy fix. Go to FanshareSports.com and the sign up code. In the discount option, write the word cut line and then receive 20% off your monthly membership. Remember, ownership is not 
to be belittled. So, Quail Hollow annually finds itself as one of the toughest courses on the PGA Tour. It has the ability to humble any skill level of pro, and its green mile is in its closing stretch of holes that bewilder any leader on a Sunday. The tournament pool enclosed past winners such as J.B. Holmes, Rory McIlroy, Jason Day, Ricky Fowler, and Lucas Glover, and winning this tournament is no easy feat. Quail Hollow played as one of the toughest and most difficult courses year in and year out. So, there'll be little doubt that Quail Hollow will be in pristine condition, as there will be a desire to show off much of the elegance that we will see at the 2025 PGA Championship a few years from now. Tree-lined fairways and plenty of length can cause high scores for anyone with a wayward tee shot. While distance is a plus, there's a balance to the course in that there are six holes that generally yield birdie or better rates of 25% or higher. So what is it that makes this course a monster? Eight par fours that stretch out past 450 yards. Add water on six holds. And greenside bunkers protecting every pin-seeking shot taker. With overseed all over the course, recovery becomes much easier this year with it not being pure Bermuda like it will be at the PGA Championship. Now, the Green Mile is arguably the most difficult closing stretch on tour. The name stems from Stephen King's story about a death row inmate and the walk one would take when facing their execution. While the golfers will walk away with their lives, they may not walk away anywhere in the same position that they entered. The length is massive as 16 is a 560-yard par 4. To make things more difficult, it's a dogleg as well. 17th is a 223-yard par 3, but it's not that easy. Golfers need to fly the water, and anything offline will definitely find the right greenside bunker. Quail Hollow closes with a 494-yard par 4. Par 4! With a stream that travels with the golfers up the left side. Just add some fun to the finishing hole. The green slopes that some might argue compare to Augusta National. The original architect, George Cobb, but of course updated by Tom Fazio in 97 and 2016. Bermuda grass greens with a 6,580 square foot green size, which is average. Step meters 12 to 12 and a half, which is average to fast on tour. The length, 7,554 yards, par 71. Two water hazards occur on six holes with 60 plus bunkers these are the stats from past winners and i wouldn't shy away from evaluating these performances on bermuda in difficult scoring courses regardless of how nasty these courses get this is where some stats show and shine key stats strokes gain off the tee ball striking strokes gain approach scrambling greens in regulation and driving range driving range driving accuracy driving accuracy Woo! driving range come on man but the question is, who are we going to play this weekend? He's two putts from victory. Only needs one. Ooh, got a member's bounce there, boys. That's birdie all day long. So this is the Cut Lines Birdie or Better segment where we break down the top tier all the way down through the 7K range looking for the Cut Lines best plays and favorite plays. And simply said, this tournament looks tough in terms of competition, looks tough in who you're going to play, 
and it's going to be interesting in how it all shakes out. But we're going to start in that top tier with Justin Thomas, Bryson DeChambeau, Johnny Rahm, Xander Shoffley, Webb Simpson, and Rory McIlroy. Now, the three I like, the three I like, and right now it's simply because I don't think you really get an advantage playing one player over the other here. I think all these guys have pretty much the same win equity with the exception of Rory, who some might question his recent form as being very unstable, which I totally agree with. But we're going we're, we're gonna to start right now. Bryson is probably going to be the most popular, followed by John Rahm. So if you want to fade a higher own chalk, he's not really chalk right now. He's like 16, 17%, which really isn't that bad. So not a reason to fade necessarily. But um, that popularity and sentiment can grow because we talk about being accurate off the tee, being monstrous off the tee, and that's what Bryson's game currently is. And if you look at his recent form specifically here at the Wells Fargo at Quail Hollow, um, fourth in 2018, but then a miscut and miscut in 2017 and 2016. So it's interesting what they're going to do with DeChambeau because he does have the length. He does have the ability to dominate courses. And we saw him win the U.S. Open, which is typically a very similar setup that we see here at Quail Hollow just last year at Wingfoot. So it's kind of interesting what to do with DeChambeau. Now, the two miscuts in the fourth place finish were a different Bryson. It is not the Bryson we see today, but, I mean, you just look at him off the tee. He ranks 19th in this field in the last 12 rounds. In the approach model, for me, he ranks number eight. In my weighted approach, uh, my weighted scoring model, he ranks number two. In my overall stat model, number 14. So so there's a lot to like about Bryson DeChambeau, and I can see why the popularity is getting there. Now, John Rahm is the Vegas odds-on favorite, and he's popping number one in my confidence model, number four in my aggregate model, top five in my overall stat model currently. So he's most definitely a viable option. You look at his course history here, specifically at this tournament, one time in 2017 where he finished fourth place. His first time here. So it would be nice to see maybe some John Rahm come back after, after you know the birth of his kid and everything that's going on with him. So he's currently got six of six this year in terms of cuts. Justin Thomas coming off his win at the Players, we saw him do well at the Masters. Looking at him, basically overall last week at the Valspar, he finished top twenty. So he's still in excellent form. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say don't play Justin Thomas. Like, the, like all these guys have a reason to play them. The last time we saw Xander, Xander finished, you know, very well at the Masters tournament, fighting Deki Matsuyama all the way to the end, ending up in fifth, had that double bogey just kill his chances of winning, but still we know the upside that's there. And of course, Webb Simpson and Rory McIlroy are both course horses here, and the only knock I can give on those two really is just Rory's recent form. So you're going to have to make some choices here. And whether you're going to lever, leverage ownership and go to the low-owned Webb Simpson, which is an option. Don't get me wrong. It's an option. I know this is a long, long, long course. And we don't don't necessarily like playing Webb in that kind of style. But he finished second in 2015, 21st in 2018, and 18th in 2019. Obviously, at 10K, you're looking top five or better. But still, 
if you want to play the ownership game, Webb Simpson is your is your play here. Roy McIlroy is your course horse option. He comes in at 10000 It's a reduced price for Roy McIlroy, by the way, simply because of his recent form being so terrible, missing the cut at the Masters, right? Looked awful. He even hit his father with a golf ball. So it'll be interesting to see where, where things shake out. I think in most people's models, Rory's going to appear to be the worst option, which could reduce his ownership, but we'll see. And uh, it'll be interesting. Interesting how this 10K range shakes out, 11K range shakes out. So let's go down to the 9K range. A lot of great plays here. Hovland, Cantlay, Finau, Zalatoris, Reed, Corey Connors, Neiman, and Max Homa. So I'm getting back on board Patrick Cantlay. And here's why. He's been brutally bad lately, right? Missing cut after missing cut. Looking terrible, ruining lineups, ruining weekends. You talk about leverage, though. You want to leverage the field in a GPP mass multi-entry? Three straight cuts for Patrick Cantley. Missed the players, missed the Masters, missed the RBC Heritage. Okay? Was there even like a glimmer of hope that things were getting better? I don't think so. I really don't. And when you look at the history of Patrick Cantley's career... He's never missed three cuts in a row. This is unprecedented. So something is either going on majorly wrong with, with Cantley, like a swing change, equipment change, who knows what's going on. But still, it's time to buy. Buy low, man. Buy low on Patrick Cantley while you can. Buy low. Looking at him specifically here, in my fairway model, 19th. Approach model, 20th. Scoring model, 27th. Overall stat model, 15th. Aggregate model, 17th. Confidence ranking, number 11. And a little secret soiree sauce, Lee Aldrich's course suitability metric, number 16. Get Cantlay in your lineups. I know you're going to hate to play him. I'm not saying play him in cash, but get him in your tournament lineups. Victor Hovland. We've been riding this train for a while now. He's on fire. Victor Hovland is on fire. So when you're looking at him, and we we love playing him. In the last 36 rounds, he's second in the field in strokes gain off the tee, first in birdie or better gain, fourth in ball striking, seventh in tee to green, 24th in good drives gain. Of course, doesn't necessarily have the distance, but still, Victor Hovland is solid enough off the tee and in distance that, that I'll play him. We're on Bermuda, which is not necessarily his best putting surfaces, surface, but it's not anything that's going to limit his potential or upside. But you look at this, third at the Valspar, 21st at the Masters. Did miss the cut at the players, but, but I don't blame him for that. Everyone misses cuts at the Players' Championship. It's a difficult course to navigate. And of course, his lowest finishing position of 2021, the API, 49th. But then before that, 2nd, 5th, 2nd, 31st. Guys on a roll, man. Guys on a roll. You guys need to play Victor Hovland. Jump on the train while it while, while people are just feeding it. Like, I, I, I don't understand how ownership still is only coming in the middle teams right now. So, so we'll see how this shakes out. Looking at next at Tony Finau, Tony Finau is a very interesting play in my projections. Ranks top 10. Ranks top 10 in my projections. In course style, ranks 13th. Tournament style, 
15th. So he's top 20 in all the projection models. And their aggregate model, 22nd. Same with the overall stat model. Top 10 in the confidence model. This could be the moment that Tony Finau wins, finally wins a major, I'm sorry, like not a major, but just a major tournament on PGA Tour. So I'm most definitely going to take pieces of Tony Finau this weekend. We're MMEing this weekend, by the way, boys. We are going nuts because I love the Wells Fargo. I love the strategy here. I think most people try to to get too cute, too fancy. It's one of those tournaments with a lot of names, and you try to get two different certain places. I don't think you need to. So we're going to skip over Will Zalatoris, and it's not that I don't love him, or, or and it's not that I hate him either. He, he is going to end up in my player pool. I just don't think I'm going to end up with a lot of him. You know, he was a debutante at the Masters. Again, a debutante here. Seeing all these new courses for the first time, this, you know, looks like the shoe's on the wrong foot eventually, and it could be the case here for Zell Torres. Patrick Reed, Corey Connors, and Joaquin Neiman, they're going to round out my 9K range. I'm probably not playing Max Homa, even though the fact that he did win last year. Um, his, his game looks great. It's just I'm not buying the fact that he could go back-to-back wins. Did miss the cut at the Masters, finished sixth at the Valspar last weekend. So I see why you could potentially want to play Max Homa. I'm just not jumping on board. I am going to go back to old Patrick Reed, who did miss the cut last weekend and was actually quite popular. So I think he's going to come in with some reduced ownership, maybe like 10 11%. Corey Connors, same kind of deal, 10 11% for as, for as good as he's been playing. For whatever reason, he's not getting the love that I think is necessary for, for this specific course so i mean the guy has been basically this year's dfs darling he's made almost every cut that he that he potentially is is played in this this year all right minus the the genesis in which he missed the cut back in february but you look at third at the api seventh the players 14th of Lero, and, and you're upset because he finally finished top 20 at the valspar after eighth fourth the Masters and the RBC Heritage, come on. Guy's playing well. All right, we got we to gotta stick with what's working this year, and Corey Connors is working hard. So in my overall stat model, ranks number three. In my aggregate model, number one, Corey Connors. In my confidence model, number six. So jump on board. Seriously, jump on board. You could get that W here this weekend. And last play, Neiman. Looking at Neiman in terms of like this specific course projection, he only ranks 70, but for the weekend projections, ranks top 10. So I like seeing Joaquin Neiman here. You could go with this 9K balance build and skip that top range and top tier altogether. Um, we, we, we've seen in past events, past history specifically here at the Wells Fargo that we have just sometimes we have first-time winners. Like we saw in 2012 with Ricky Fowler, we we see every Sunday. You know, prior to that, we saw you know Rory McIlroy being very competitive, and he won in 2015. But between that, we got JB Holmes in 2014, and before that, Derek Ernst, who who we really never heard of, James Hahn, Brian Harmon, Jason Day, Max Homa. So you don't really have like a lot of big, huge names in this top tier historically winning within the last eight years of playing this tournament, but still, it doesn't mean you necessarily fade them. They are going to be your DraftKings scorers, but like I said, this 9K range could be where you kind of just start your build process to get a little bit different. So the 8K range, 
the 8K range is short. It really is short. We got we got Answer, M, Harmon, Day, Bradley, Tringale, Watson, Shane Low- Lowry, Grillo, Fleetwood, and Harris English. Watch it be the weekend where Fleetwood like just ruins everyone's lineup because he's coming in at like such low ownership. Him and Harris English. But the guys I like, Answer, M, Harmon, Day, Tringale, Lowry, and Grillo. I'm going to go back to Grillo. I, I don't know if I'm necessarily going to, to buy into a lot of them because this course does require some length. But you do look at his course history. He's got a top 10 in 2018, 42nd, 61st. Not like major success, but most definitely something I like to see. Brian Harmon in this 8K range is your course horse in the last five years. Four or five main cuts with a win in 2017. You got Bubba Watson, who's never played here before. But Cameron Tringale, been playing very, very well here recently. But I'm going to say no again. And I get it. He finished top five last year, last week. But another course history question mark, right? Miscut, 27th, miscut, 41st. That's not going to do it here. And I know you're going to hate to hear this, but I'm comparing it similarly how I looked at Max Homa in that while the metrics look good, the course history, the strokes gain on this course and style particularly don't look that hot. I will say this, though. Top five in the overall stat model, top five in the aggregate model, top ten in the confidence model. So if you think Tringale is going to come back down to earth, with which is a big time possibility, you know this could be the moment where you cashed in on a fade. And the and the crazy thing is, the ownership right now for Tringale is very very high, looking at 18, 19 percent. So to round out that 8K range, we're looking at Abraham Answer, Sung J M, and Harmon. I like Harmon obviously with the course horse history playing here in the past, but this kind of fits answers mold, right? With the fact that he he's second in my overall stat model, third in my aggregate model, twelfth in my confidence model. So so we got that going for it when 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 we look specifically at him. But when we get a little bit more in depth, he's fourteenth in the field in strokes gain off the tee in the last thirty six. Twenty second in approach. Sixth in good drives. These are all correlating stats to being successful specifically here at this tournament. So I like taking pieces of answer in this AK range. I like taking pieces of Lowry in this AK range. Now, Keegan Bradley, we talked about him last weekend and how well he on, on, on how good he was. I don't know if I can go that route here just because the driving distance is so minimal. But he's 61st in the field in driving distance, which is not terrible. So we we could see that first-round leader upside from Keegan Bradley. I just don't know if we'll get the whole tournament upside. We'll normally get the you know fall-apart Saturday-Sunday Keegan Bradley, which is more likely. But we'll see. I don't know. He's priced up pretty high. Priced up pretty high. So... That's it. That'll that'll round out that 8K range, what we're looking at specifically here. So let's go down and look at the 7K range. So specifically in the player pool builder, which you can find on cutlinegolf.com, you see the 7K range and looking at it from the top 10 perspective. Russell Henley, Glover, Matt Wallace, Sink, HV3, Streelman, Naismith, Matt Jones, Taylor Gooch, 
in Sebastian Munoz. We're seeing a lot of love and tread for Aaron Wise. He comes in right behind the top 10 in spot number 11 in the power rankings. That's the 7K range. And this is, again, the bread and butter section where you're going to make all your money. Who's going to come out of this range and finish top 5, top 10? Guys I like. Glover, Steele, Henley, Gooch, Wallace, Matt Jones, Naismith, Ryan Moore, Johnny Vegas, Keith Mitchell, and Tom Hogue. Love going back to Hogue again. So, real quick though, in this range, there are a few guys that, that were cut makers. And we're looking at guys like Ricky Fowler, Molinari, Hadwin, Pat Perez. These are guys who've made at least like three or four cuts, four or four court cuts, four or five cuts, however you want to evaluate it. But they're cut makers for this specific course. And these are guys in that, in, in that 7K range. The problem is guys like Ricky Fowler struggling, right? Hadwin and Perez, they are very iffy plays, right? It's 72 and 7,000 respectively. I mean, Hadwin's missed the last two cuts. Perez finished 28th at the Valspar. Before that, missed the cut, but then was 23rd at the Valero and, and top 10 at the, at the at the Honda Classic. So we've seen success there. And, of course, Molinari's all over the place, but he does live back in states now looking at guys who are not cut makers in this round meaning they missed tons of cuts joel Dahman, aaron wise in hv3 and i feel like these three are getting a little bit too much love surprisingly than they should be joel Dahman was looking at about like double digit ownership aaron wise and my and the first run through on fair share sports was like 16 17 are you kidding me in hv3 14 15 percent I get the upside here, but the tournament history says no. So we're not going to buy into those guys either. But we'll get more of that a little bit later. Lucas Glover. Lucas Glover has been playing very good golf lately. 48th at the Valspar. 33rd at the RBC Heritage. 4th at the Texas Open. 19th at the Honda. In my overall stat model, ranks number 9. 9th. In my overall stat model. When you look at Glover. Compared to the rest of the field. Where he struggles though. Is driving distance. So as good as he might fit necessarily on this course. I don't know if I'm going to buy much into the glove. Based on the fact that he doesn't have that driving distance. Now he has had course success here. 4 or 5 made cuts with one miscut in 2018. 31st in 2019. 52nd in 2017. But a top 10 finish in 2016. So Glove might be playing good enough to where you might want to roster him in like some MME. Not sure I'd go there at three max. Matt Wallace, Russell Henley, you guys are looking at some some similar style of plays. They're good at scoring, good on approach, um, decent enough off the tee. Matt Wallace specifically has looked really good in his most recent form. Looking at Matt, Matt Naismith, Naismith is a guy that I said go back to last weekend. And if you did, you were rewarded. He finished 21st. We know the upside and skill is there. Finishes top 25 in my overall stat model at just $7,300. I like Naismith here. I know a lot of people are going to shy away from that play simply because he's burned you in the past. But the fact is that the stats don't lie. He's second in good drives gained, 17th in strokes gained tee to green, 6th in approach. You know, he does lack that off the tee game. But still, there's confidence here to be had with Matt Naismith at $7,300. Taylor Gooch, Ryan Moore, 7,600, 7,100. Again, fitting very well here in my overall stat model. Both are top 30. In my projections model, though, 
This is where it gets interesting. Gooch, 26th. Ryan Moore, 98th. That's kind of frightening. So careful with Ryan Moore. I mean, the metrics might say play him, but hard to buy into someone who projects so poorly. Now, Johnny Vegas is kind of like your wild card. You're just hoping that putter gets hot, gets him through. He's most definitely a first-round leader, but he fits this course projection-wise, you know, 33rd for this course uh, style, 54th for the tournament style. He has the approach game, top 30, 34 in my approach model. He has the game off the tee that that, that varies in, in in lots of ways, but still could be successful. 2019 finished eighth, 42nd, 53rd, and then dead last in 2015 with the made cut. He did not miss the cut. So 7,000 though, it's kind of like one of those plays where maybe you just want to bet him as a first round leader and not get into playing him on DFS. But we've seen this happen with Johnny Vegas before. He, he gets hot on a weekend and then goes and returns back to his shitty-ass self and, and, and being terrible. But the thing is that stands out is he's able to drive the ball. He's able to drive the ball very far. So if his approach game and ball striking just gets in sync, could be a very good weekend for Vegas. Brennan Steele at 7,700. Steele is kind of interesting because in terms of recent form, he doesn't look that good. He, he doesn't look as like someone who's standing out as a solid play. He, even with the Valero, he finished 77th, lost strokes everywhere except for putting. But before that, a third place finish at the Honda. So you got to wonder what Brendan Steele's going to show up. I'm going to I'm gonna lean on the fact that like he, he needs to putt well, right? And he can putt on Bermuda. But he's never finished well here recently. Like, his best finish was in 2015 with a ninth place finish. After that, 54th in 2019. So you're looking at decent course history, but there's so much time in between him last playing here. I don't know. 7,700 for Brendan Steele seems a little bit large. A little bit large. But last 7K guy that we'll mention, Killa Keith Mitchell, 8th in 2019, 34th in 2018. The guy metrically does not fit the course, but he just projects so well, especially with this course style. Now, it's most definitely a GPP MME only play. Don't need a lot of Killer Keith here to get leverage to the field. He's coming in at single-digit ownership. So if you want to play him, go ahead. Go ahead. That's it. Next question is who can we not play this weekend? No. Mm Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, 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 hell no. Can't do it. So this is the Cut Lines. Can't do it, won't do it. Brought to you by CutLineGolf.com. These are the golfers coming in at double-digit ownership that we can not play. Can not play. Hear that? Can't do it. Won't do it. And there are three. And we kind of already hinted at who they are, but we're going to go back into them anyway. Why not, right? So the first three that we talked about are Joel Dahman, 
HV3 and Aaron Wise. With someone as volatile as Aaron Wise, and I see the course history, I get it, second in 2018, 18th in 2019, but at only 7,100, following a miscut at the RBC Heritage, I have no desire to play Aaron Wise if he's coming in at double-digit ownership. Can't do it. Overall stat model, top 50, right? Confidence model, top 35, which I like to see, but still... I'm not going to play double-digit own Aaron Wise at 7,100. I'll go somewhere else in this range. No, thank you. Next guy, Harold Varner III, another guy who's getting a lot of love. And I really think it's because he's appearing in a lot of pictures that I've seen online that people are posting with their posts, me included. And he really doesn't have the course history here. Miscut, 55th. Miscut, 24th. So, recent form. Finished second at the RBC Heritage. So people are going to buy into that. That does not mean that HV3 is back and you need to buy him, buy into him yourself. I'm just not going to do it. And then last play is Joel Dahman. Not a Joel Dahman week for me. Not really a Joel Dahman week for me any week. But still, I see why people want to play him. Um, in terms of, again, course history. Recent course history. But, man, we haven't seen him since the Valero where he just was brutal um so i don't obviously coming off off the the victory at at uh corrales is what i think people are looking at for diamond right like they're they're saying like okay well sure he finished you know 74th at valero but he won corrales punta cana resort tournament so we should go back to him right i i, I don't think so I think Joel Dahman here is a trap and that you should just kind of do a hard fade. Can't do it, man. Can't do chalk-owned Joel Dahman. Right now, those are the three can't-do-its that could increase. I'm really, really seriously thinking about adding DeChambeau here. Not absolutely certain, but we'll see. And, of course, we're looking at big-time ownership on Tringale and Victor Hovland. Those are other guys to consider in terms of fading, but... Not going to be in the can-do-its. They, they will be evaluated closer to Wednesday and closer to lineup lock. But that's it. That's who I'm not going to play for sure. Aaron Wise, HV3, Joel Dahman, 6K range, monsters and guarantees. Let's go. Martin <laughs> Pillar. He is a monster. He is a a monster. Miscut. Miscut. Martin Pillar. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. Miscut. Miscut. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. <laughs> A monster. I guarantee he will make the cut. So this is the MG Monsters and Guarantee where we break down the 6K range and the monsters and players and golfers that we think are going to finish top 25 or better. The MGs, the Monsters and Guarantees of the 6K range. First of all, we are going to look at the player pool builder in terms of their rankings in this 6K range specifically. Here's how they rank great out. James Hahn, Luke List, Thompson, Lewis, Seifert, Kyunghoon Lee, Adam Shank, Sam Ryder, John Ha again, and Viegas. 
Again, another first-round leader option right there, Camilo. So that's your top 10 in the 6K range. One thing I noticed about that top 10, none of those guys are below $6,600. And that's a common theme for these harder tournaments is that you don't want to go below that threshold. Okay, so you don't want to go at that below the threshold. Now, that is the final aggregate rankings for these players in the 6k range that was the top 10 the guys that i specifically love in this range well there are quite a few actually that i think could do well here so first of all your course horses guys that have done well here in terms of made cuts that's hunter mahan phil mickelson luke list um continuing on jb holmes obviously one year before robert streb sean o'hare these are guys who have made multiple cuts here, like three of four, four of five, five of five. Of course, their their form's different. Everyone and 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 this is just basically course history here specifically. So, looking at those guys, their their options if you want to roster them. Phil coming in at a solid sixty nine hundred dollars. Great course history here. In terms of recent form, though, suspect at best. Like we saw him at Valspar miss the cut after after the Masters. A little bit different of a beast here. It's not a major. We don't know how up for the game Phil will be. Now, in reverse of that, though, there there are guys who continually miss the cut here, who have at least three missed three missed cuts or four missed cuts or, you know, two of five made cuts. And these guys are Thompson, Stallings, Nick Taylor. Scott Brown, Peter Melnati, Sung Kang, Wagner, David Hearn, Blixt, Bill Haas, Kelly Kraft, and DA Points. So looking at this 6K range with those guys, like tread cautiously, right? These guys don't have the course history that you're looking for. I'm not saying they can't come out and be successful, but still. Now let's move on. The MGs. We're going with Duffner, John Ha, again, Revy, Ryder, Lewis, James Hahn, Vaughn Taylor and Kyung Hoon Lee. That's a lot. Don't get me wrong. That's a lot for our MGs. But like I said, I love this tournament. It's one of my favorites to break down. It's one of my favorites to look at. And in this 6K range, it's not like these guys are slouches, right? Overall stat model, first of all, your top-rated guy, John Ha, 30th. Kyung Hoon Lee, 35th. Duffner, 45th. Duffner, who was in for almost winning in 2019. So we're looking at a lot of options here. Of course, being in the 6K range, these guys are volatile players. Most of these guys missed the cut at the Valspar. Most of these guys missed the cut at the RBC Heritage. Like You could see this volatility within, the, within their game. Kyung-Hoon Lee, though, has three straight made cuts. At 6,900, I'll take it. I'll take it with a top 25 option and a, a decent approach game that, you know, recently. was definitely top 30. So, um the one thing I like about Vaughn Taylor here is his ability to putt. So let's break these guys down. Kyung Hoon Lee, 35th in my overall stat model, 46th in my confidence ranking. James Hahn, 45th in my dance ranking, 56th for Tom Lewis. Sam Ryder, 67th. Ches Revy, 61st. John Ha, 47th. And Duffner at 60th. All these guys don't shine necessarily in, in Lee Aldrich's course suitability metric, except for Kyung Hoon Lee. Who looks to be 45th in the course of my projections model? All these guys are pretty suspect at best. But again, I think these guys are coming with some decent course history here. I think they are most definitely some guys with some solid options in terms of of getting a little bit different. I'm not one to get below 
6,500 this weekend. I, I, I just don't see the point in doing it in the 6K range. Um, I don't think you have to. You're really reaching at that point. Like, if you want to go with someone that low in terms of price, I don't think it's worth it. So staying above that 6,500 threshold, 66. Uh, like, the only guy I have, I'm even considering is someone like Robert Strepp, Sean O'Hare. Okay? Um, and I don't even think I'll get to them unless my build principles get different enough. So that's it. That, that'll do it. Let, let's take it home. Let's go. Oh, you men are all alike. Seven or eight quick ones, and you're off with the boys to boast and brag. You better keep your mouth shut. Oh, I think I love him. So that's it. It's over. It's all over. That is the breakdown of the Wells Fargo Championship. Join us next week as we break down the AT&T Byron Nelson. I want to give a special thanks and shout out to Fanshare Sports. Thank you, the listener, for spending your time with us. Go get them. Get some green. Sunday's yours. Sunday fun day. Woo!